Welcome to the Macmillan Report. I'm Marilyn Wilkes, your host, and our guest is Kamari Clark, Professor of Anthropology at Yale University and Chair of the Council on African Studies at the Macmillan Center. Professor Clark's areas of research explore issues related to religious nationalism, legal institutions, international law, the interface between culture and power, and its relationship to the modernity of race and late capitalist globalization. Her recent articles and books have focused on religious and legal movements and the related production of knowledge and power, including the 2004 publication of Mapping Yoruba Networks, Power and Agency in the Making of Transnational Communities. Today we'll talk with Professor Clark about her newest book, Fictions of Justice, The International Criminal Court and the Challenge of Legal Pluralism in Sub-Saharan Africa. Welcome, Professor Clark. Thank you. Thank you very much. Please tell us about the premise of your book. Well, Mapping Yoruba Networks um, was my earlier book. Mm -hmm. And in that book, I attempted to think through how one would do an anthropology that goes beyond spatial um, configurations. In this book, uh, Fictions of Justice, what I attempt to do is, is take on some of the same conceptual trajectories, but instead um, map them through legal frameworks and uh, thus the title, Fictions of Justice. It's, it's an attempt to think about that which constitutes justice, to ask questions about the very things that seem to be natural and straightforward. Often when we talk about justice, when we say justice has been done, etc., we presume that we all mean the same thing. Mm -hmm. And the book really is an exploration over the controversies of, of justice, the both transnational and national. I'm, I examine an emergent movement the rise of the International Criminal Court, mm -hmm. the formation of the court, as well as the contestations related to the, the making of the International Criminal Court, what we call the ICC. Okay, what is the ICC and what countries fall under its jurisdiction? Right, yes. Well, the ICC is, is known to most as an uh, independent uh, international judiciary. So it has the teeth of, of, of a court, as mm -hmm. one would expect it. There are 110 countries that are member states that are under the jurisdiction of the court, uh, countries from every part of the world, really. Uh, the U.S. is not a signatory, but um, there are a number of countries, many, many countries that are more than half of the world's nation states are, are under the jurisdiction of the court. Okay, and why focus on sub-Saharan Africa? Why did you pick there? Well, um, that it, part of the world. Yeah, it it it. Well, I'm I'm an Africanist, and I also okay. an Americanist, of course, and so in many ways, analytically, it made sense for me to 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 examine what was happening in this region vis-a-vis -vis the, um, you know, why states sign international treaties and why mm -hmm. this treaty in particular. But some of the decision making really wasn't mine. Uh, the first cases are African-based cases. They're not you know, China-based cases, they're not Latin American-based cases, mm -hmm. they're African-based cases. So okay. it was also quite straightforward that, yes, in, indeed, um, uh, I followed the cases more than followed my own uh, research areas. Okay. So the term legal pluralism, what is it and um, what is the challenge in sub-Saharan Africa? Right, yeah, that's, and that's precisely the subtext mm -hmm. of the book, The Challenge of Legal Pluralism in Sub-Saharan Africa. Um, well, legal pluralism is, is somewhat of a new concept, I guess mm -hmm. a 20th century concept that emerged out of an interest to think about uh, dual legal systems that coexist. 
and uh, a, a lot of legal scholars, legal anthropologists, the range of critical legal theorists, etc., have used it almost as a as a way to go beyond a term known as relativism, mm -hmm. right? So. Uh, uh, to go beyond relativism, but to think about the ways that systems coexist and compete. Um, my argument, or part of the premise, is that we have to go beyond this conception, beyond the notion of plurality, that, that legal systems coexist. Um, I, I, the, the, the challenge is that um, these systems coexist in relations of power. They coexist alongside other negotiations that are connected to other powerful, very powerful institutions, the World Bank, the IMS, mm -hmm. IMF, um, powerful um, nationalist movements, uh, etc. And to simply see them as legal systems that, that exist in and of themselves without looking at systems of hegemony, the ways that these systems work in relation to other spheres of power is to misread the coexistence of legal systems. And so the attempt is to to not only look at these legal systems alongside each other, mm -hmm. so the rise of Islamic Sharia in northern Nigeria alongside the emergence of ICC power, right? It, it, it's to go beyond simply looking at the dualities and instead to think about what are some of the other dynamics that are at play here? Mm -hmm. What are the power relations? Why are states signing these treaties in the first place? So, so really the attempt is to, to go beyond simply this comparative frame and to think about the power relations that sometimes imbalances complexities that are fundamental to uh, the, the so-called coexistence of these legal spheres. So what methodology did you use in your book? How did you gather the data? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question actually and, and my methods were somewhat unorthodox in, in the sense that I'm I'm a cultural anthropologist mm -hmm. who is interested in international relations, has some background in political science, uh, and uh, the methods that I use in their ethnography, it involves doing ethnography, but it's transnational and multi-sided ethnography. It involved, um, I mean, in your most, more most orthodox way, mm -hmm. um, doing interviews, of course, um, doing focus groups, um, doing standard observations that any social scientist would, would engage in. Okay. But um, it also involved um, late nights after a diplomatic hearing, a closed session at the bar, drinking, having a few drinks to hear, you know, to debrief on mm -hmm. uh, what the, the latest controversy was at a given meeting. Or um, it involved me going to law school for a year to learn the fundamentals of, in, of criminal law and, and mm -hmm. some basic legal jurisprudential questions. Um, it, it also involved um, uh, uh, um, uh, working with NGOs in various parts of Sub-Saharan Africa, mm -hmm. so doing some constitutional reform work, uh, so some engaged, what we call engaged ethnography, which um, goes beyond simply data collection, but also participant and um, participant participation and engaged um, political mobilization related mm -hmm. work, and, and that is often seen as a, a, a less orthodox approach, but uh, but I tell you this kind of work, this kind of transnational, quite messy work that uh, examines an emergent movement that has many tentacles in many different mm -hmm. places, involves uh, quite messy methodology. So so those were those are the the highlights of, okay. of the work. You know, something just dawned on me when you said you know you would. Um, go to the courtroom and then, you know, afterwards go to the bar. It dawned on me, where 
does the International Criminal Court travel around to different countries based on the trials they are hearing, or is it in one location? Right. Well, the court, the, the building, the structure, mm -hmm. you know, the thing called the International Criminal Court is in The Hague. Okay. It's just, it, it's in The Hague, it's in, it's in the Netherlands. Okay. Uh, but before it, it was in The Hague, it, the, the court was really an idea. 1998, the signing of the, the Rome Statute uh, led to the concept and from the concept there were preparatory committee meetings in, at the UN so every couple of um, months or every four months or so um, diplomats from around the world would converge to work on this document that then became the the International Criminal Court that became the the Constitution that was fundamentally the Constitution of the court so it, it was an idea that became a building but still it lives outside of the structure and I think that's what is quite interesting mm -hmm. and phenomenal about this this thing, this movement, um, this movement that uh, exists alongside the the rise of the rule of law uh, around the world, really. Uh, but yes, to, to you know, in a straightforward way, it, there it is a building, and uh, it's a building that houses many, from the the defense prosecutor the, to the um, to lead prosecutor to the judges to to the you know the audience the people who who visit and mm -hmm. and and watch the cases uh, it is it is a building that's housed in the Hague okay let's talk about um, your findings what conclusions uh, have you reached tell us about some of them well um, there are a number the conclusions are two-pronged in in some ways because I'm writing to multiple audiences okay. in this book and it's it's quite the challenge uh, on, on one hand I'm writing to for anthropologists, I'm, I'm engaging notions of legal pluralism. I'm thinking about um, transnational methodologies, how one studies up, mm -hmm. a, as it were. In, historically, anthropologists have tended to study um, lo local people in a way in villages, etc. And this has changed tremendously over the last decade. And um, and so I'm in conversation with anthropologists, thinking about the limitations mm -hmm. of this concept called legal pluralism, thinking about the fictions of this notion that we know as justice and, and trying to shift the debate in a way to push us to think about emergent movements and hegemonic movements, movements that are, um, that are fundamentally intertwined with a whole set of other new and emergent uh, legal institutions. Mm -hmm. um, the other is uh, I'm, I'm in conversation with NGOs and with um, sort of governments and with the prosecutors and lawyers and human rights activists who are part of the court. Um, and in part, I'm, I'm, I'm asking them and thinking through this, this idea of justice, but also thinking about the, the methods of deliberation, right? How, mm -hmm. um, how might we envision a different world and a different constitution or a different statute? Uh, what are the problems of the contemporary statute? What kinds of conversations do we need to be having in order to think through what justice might mean in these other domains, these other locales. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, this is all part of a, a conversation, an ongoing one that I have and am having uh, with them. It's not always a popular one. My position isn't necessarily a popular one um, okay. among uh, NGO activists, et cetera, but it's an important one. It's certainly a conversation that needs to be had. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, um, what is the most surprising thing you found in um, doing the research for fictions of justice and, and, and writing the book? Yeah, the most surprising um, probably was how different people's definitions of what justice is mm -hmm. uh, are. Um, 
one person's justice is another person's retribution. One okay. person's justice is another person's pain. Um, and I, I actually thought that I, I perhaps was, um, had a sense that there was more in common than not. And after almost eight, nine years of research in this area, I realized that, that th this, this concept is a concept that uh, is quite far-reaching and uh, is fundamentally culturally constructed and means everything and nothing to the, the, the very same people who are being asked what mm -hmm. justice is. Okay. So that's probably the most surprising. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today and sharing some of your research. Well, thank you for having me, Marilyn. For more information about Professor Clark and her work, please visit our website at yale.edu backslash Macmillan Report. Be sure to join us again for another episode of the Macmillan Report, made possible through funding from the Whitney and Betty Macmillan Center for International and Area Studies at Yale. Mm -hmm.